Welcome to a special Invest Talk bonus program, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Typically, each day, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein receive more new voice bank questions than they can fit into a live show format. So, in this bonus program, caller questions will be served up and answered with brief but helpful responses from Steve or Justin. Please tell your friends about Invest Talk and remember that the Anytime listener lines never close. 888-99 chart. Hello and thank you for downloading this Invest Talk podcast. I'm Justin Klein. This is our second Rapid Fire Hour podcast of 2021. We've been tracking our download numbers and they have increased dramatically over the past year or so. And we are now at the 30 million total downloads in the history of Invest Talk. And we are very excited. But as you can imagine, more listeners results in more live show callers and also a greater number of voice bank questions. So we are dedicating this show to your pre recorded caller questions. The calls that came in earlier on 888.99 chart, and I will provide as many answers as possible in this bonus podcast. Let's get started. Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Travis from Minnesota. Hey, was just looking at AIG. It seems to be trending upward, and you know, as, as price for the PE of of about nine, seems a bit expensive. Would you guys buy on the pullback? Let me know. Thanks. Bye. All right, looking at American International Group, I don't think anybody needs to be reminded who they are, one of the largest insurance companies in the world. And as I've been saying on this show, I, I like insurance companies overall. You know, rising rates certainly helps their profitability. Post-COVID, they have an ability to raise their uh, levels of uh, premiums that they charge their customers as well. And so I like that. Now, AIG provides group and individual life insurance, annuities, and general property and casualty insurance. So my issue for this is the life insurance and annuities part. There's more regulation around brokers and their ability to sell annuity products, and and I think that's a good thing, but that's bad for companies that rely heavily on that type of business. So while I like the insurance industry as a whole, I like focusing more on property and casualty versus the life and annuity sellers. And this is kind of a, a mix of it all because it's it's so giant. So uh, I, I, I like the space, but I don't like AIG for that reason. And I don't think it's particularly undervalued either. So I'm going to pass on AIG, but keep looking in this space and focus more on the property and casualty insurers. Let's keep things Moving and head over to Texas. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Adam from Texas calling again. Thanks for taking my call. My question is regarding XOM, ExxonMobil. So I own it. It's in my portfolio, and I'm sitting at about almost 6% of my portfolio is XOM. My question is, I know you talk about rebalancing, so technically, I'm due a rebalance with that stock, but I really like their dividends, and I think that it still has some room to run. So should I rebalance now just because it's over 5%, or should I hold on to it for the dividend and to let it run up a little bit more this year as the energy sector gains more strength post-pandemic? Thanks for your help. I appreciate it. 
Great question. I like that you're thinking about that, that it may be overweight in your portfolio. A lot of people don't do that. They they just let their winners run. And I think you should certainly do that. But you've seen recently with a lot of those big winners are starting to roll over. And many people may have been hurt dramatically because it was such a large portion of their portfolio. So the big question, however, for you is, is it time yet? And 6%, you know, starting to get over that 5% level that we like to to cap our our, uh, exposure to, but it's not dramatically over. So I'm not too worried about it yet. I would start to focus more on the fundamentals and the chart. Our value on Exxon is closer to $75 a share. Now it's a bit below 60. So I think it still has some upside, both fundamentally and technically, although it's into some pretty big resistance here around the $58 to $60 level. I think the bigger resistance is going to be kind of near the breakdown level from pre-COVID, and that's about $67 a share. So at 67, now you're starting to get pretty, you're getting in the ballpark of our fair value, and that's when I think you want to think about uh, trimming your position uh, in Exxon. So uh, I like that you're thinking about it, but I would be a little patient and get it closer to the fair value in that 70, 75 range. Once you start getting in that area, that's when I would trim it up a bit. Now, this is a special rapid fire hour podcast. And here's another question. Hey guys, it's Justin in Reno. I bought a stock MJ a couple weeks ago. I'm up over 40%. Just didn't know if this is a long-term hold or if I should just take the profits and move on. Wanted to get your opinion. Thank you. Bye. All right. Looking at MJ, uh, probably called maybe a few weeks ago before this rolled over. It did hit a high of a, almost $35 a share. Now we're at 21 and change as the space has kind of rolled over. And this is a marijuana ETF. Uh, it's the ETF MG Alternative Harvest ETF, and it owns a broad swath of marijuana-related companies, in North America, typically in the uh, in Canada, some here in the U.S. It looks like. So, I like the U.S. marijuana companies more than the Canadian ones. The Canadian ones have kind of gotten that boost. They've been public. The problem with the American ones, the U.S. ones, is that they can't be traded on major exchanges. They're on the OTC market. So, I think once they get access to the major exchanges, they will be. They, they will have a re-rating higher, and I would rather capture that. So I would try to get into the ETFs that uh, give you exposure on that front, on U.S. listed or U.S. operating marijuana companies. And so while MJ I think is okay, it's broad diversification. I think the space has a lot of room to grow. This is not concentrated in the area that I would like. I would be more focused on U.S. marijuana companies. Now let's pivot from the west to the east. The next question comes from a listener in New York. Hey, Steve, we're Justin. It's Liam from New York City. I'm in my early 30s, but been listening to your show for years. Thank you for all that you do. I'm calling about Brookfield Properties REIT, BPYU. There's also BPY, which is the symbol for the partnership. The company owns massive commercial real estate assets around the globe. BAM. B-A-M, ticker symbol, the parent company is trying to buy out the real estate arm. They've low-balled the offer at $16.50 a share, or you could get BAM shares. I got about 700 shares gradually into the bottom of the recession because I like the track record, focus on real estate properties, 
and the history of the company. Now that vaccinations are occurring, people will be returning to malls and offices. There's been a huge rebound in REITs because of this in general. I'm up about 40% in short-term gains. BPYU is about 3% of my investment portfolio. BAM doesn't pay a huge dividend, and it's slow appreciation stock. Huge company, but it's not what I was looking for. So I don't want any of its shares, and the 1650 cash offer is too low. Additionally, I'd hate to sell and take a massive tax hit this year. What should I do? Thank you. Well, it looks like the the offer, like you said, was sixteen fifty. Now it's trading at seventeen twenty four. So it's expected. The market's expecting that they're going to up the offer for BPYU. If there is a buyout, which it sounds like there will be at some point, they're just trying to figure out that that right price. You're going to have these shares sold for you on the close, uh, typically anyway, unless it's in shares. So, you know. You might be, you might have to take that that gain uh, anyway. So I would be more focused on: Are you getting a high enough price for what will ultimately be that deal? If you don't think that they're going to up the offer, then I would take it here at seventeen twenty-four and just take the tax hit. If you think they're going to up the offer for whatever reason, and the longer it stays kind of above that sixteen fifty level, it makes me think they are going to raise it. And so I would be patient, to be honest with you. Now, you may take the tax hit anyway, but if you think that 1650 is too low and the market is telling you that by trading higher than that number, then I would be a little patient on BPYU unless you need that money to redeploy. I mean, a lot of times people focus on the tax implications. Oh, I'm going to take this gain. And they could use that money for something else, uh, finding a great opportunity. And that's what I would be more focused on is, do you need this money for other opportunities? If not, I would be patient. If you do, this is a great place to take some money off the table and redeploy it in places that more have more upside potential. Now, next on the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour, we go back here to the West Coast for a question from a listener in Los Angeles. My name is Jairo. I'm calling from Los Angeles, California, a longtime listener. Just want to had a couple questions, or just one question, really, about this link technologies, ticker symbol VISL. They recently had a run-up to a new 52-week high on Friday, the 5th of February. I was just wondering what your thoughts are on it. I currently hold a small position in it. It's about 5% of my portfolio. Thoughts or comments on this I would really be appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy listening to your show and look forward to hearing your answer. Thank you. All right. Well, unfortunately, we got to this uh, a little bit late. You know, we have so many calls, it's hard to get to them all. So we're uh, about, that was about a month ago. And now it is down from four and change to a little under $3 per share into some major support. Uh, but this is a name that historically doesn't make money, hasn't made uh, very much money even recently. It looks like, yeah, it's still losing money. This is not a name I want to be uh, owning. Develops innovative intellectual property that will enhance wireless communication. Whatever that means. Yeah, I, you know, this is the type of name that talks a big game, but never comes through when it comes to actually producing a business that can make money, profits, and value for shareholders. So. This is the exact type of name that rallies at the end of a cycle, right? When all the other kind of bigger, higher profile names just explode, like you saw in January and in early 
February. These are the type of names that also run. And it tells you the, the move in, the speculative move is over because everything's kind of ran. And I think this will go back down to a dollar, sub a dollar. Uh, I would be getting out of this on any strength. Now we're moving at a fast pace. Now we take a voice bank question from Tennessee. Hi there, this is Joe from the Nashville area. I want to inquire about a uh, stock. The listed name is Mankind, symbol MNKD. I have a position in this stock, about 3% of my portfolio. I bought it, average uh, share price, $1.70. It's trading about $5 right now. I'm thinking about taking my profit and going somewhere else. Just curious what you think are the uh, prospects for uh, growth with this, and if it's a good idea to go ahead and get out. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. The answer is yes. Uh, I, I wish once again we got to this a little bit earlier. It has come down from five and change to uh, three and change now. Uh, this is – I always remember this name because it's one of the first kind of biotech hype names back in when it went public in 2000 – what was it? 16. This is kind of early – not 16. Six. Uh, this is 2004, excuse me. This is early in my career. Uh, and it was overhyped and hit a all-time high of $120 a share. Now we're at $3.38. So you can see the history of this business is just very poor. They never really made money except for 2016. They made a small profit. Uh, and their products have never been that effective. And it's been a lot of hype for their products and a whole lot of nothing when it comes to shareholders. 24 million shares outstanding in 2011. Now 223 million shares outstanding to finance all of the losses throughout the last decade plus. So absolutely, once again, any strength, I would just get out of it as soon as you possibly can. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for downloading this Invest Talk podcast bonus show. In this hour, I am focusing solely on caller questions, which we are retrieving from our voice bank. Our anytime listener line never closes. So when you have a finance or investment question, call 888-99-CHART. Now let's go to Florida. Hello, Steve and Justin. Thank you for taking my call. This is Marty from Florida. I'm looking to get into the mineral space, SCCO, Southern Copper Corporation. Carries a pretty nice yield. I'm wondering if I'm late for the party. Looking over the financials, if you could help me if this is a good buying point or not a good buying point. One red flag I saw was in December there, this chairman had a sell-off of 1.6 million shares. Please tell me what your opinion is, and I'll wait to hear. Thank you. Bye. All right. This is Southern Copper Corp. This is headquartered in Peru and also has facilities in Mexico. It produces copper, zinc, silver, along with other materials. And this is a company that I really like. It's not on the top of my list of the copper producers, but it is a name that we are we're thinking about. Um, now, it, historically, it hasn't been the best run miner in the world, I'll tell you that. Uh, but it does have its bout of strong profitability, especially kind of 2011-12 timeframe. And but it's and its cash flow has been consistently positive since 2017, and we we like that. Uh, so I like the company. It's a little riskier because of the fact that it is headquartered. Um, uh, it does have operations in Peru and Mexico. Sorry, its headquarters actually is in Phoenix. 
so I like the business. I do think the copper area is, and the commodities in general, are going to have a pullback here. I think the dollar is gaining a little bit of strength with a, a stronger uh, treasury yield, higher treasury yields. So for me, it's about technically, where do you want to pick it up? If you're trying to gain exposure to, to copper, which I think is a smart move, where do you want to pick it up? And our level on this is $60 a share. Now we're at 71, so it needs a little bit more weakness here. Uh, now, I love it, absolutely love it back down at 46, which could get there if you get a big rally in the dollar. Uh, but I like the copper space. We're looking to gain exposure over the next year or so. And so on dips, you want to be picking up a name like Southern Copper. Now, next up, a question from the Invest Talk listener in San Diego. Yes, this is Will in San Diego, and I'm wondering if now is a good time to invest in USO. Thank you for all the information that you all render. All right, he's looking at UFO, which is the Procure ETF Space ETF. And this sounds like it is invested in companies that are involved in space in some way shape or form. Its top holding is Laurel Space Communication, Viasat has in there, Virgin Galactic. And I'm going to say absolutely not. This is the exact type of name that you don't want to be in. This is hyped, overhyped, recent IPO, uh, and it's already fallen from a high of 32 and change. Now we're at 28 and change, and I think it's going to go much, much lower. Uh, so, no, this is not a type of company that, or ETF that I would want to be invested in right now. These are the exact type of names that are going to be underperforming in an environment of higher interest rates and a weaker dollar. Stand by. Our next question will be from Oklahoma. You are listening to a special Invest Talk bonus program, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Caller questions are being answered with brief, but unbiased and helpful responses from Steve or Justin. Yes, this is Cooper from Oklahoma. I had a question about AMCOR, A-M-C-R. I was curious if this was a good investment. I'll be listening on the podcast. Thanks. All right, looking at AMCOR. It's a global plastics packaging company, really one of the largest in the world. 12 and a, sorry, market cap of 17 billion, trailing 12 month revenue of 12 and a half billion. And if you look at the business, it is nicely cash flow positive, growing over time. Just recently started paying a dividend, although that dividend seems a little high for its level of uh, earnings. I will say that its return on equity is at about 15%, trailing 12 months. And that's historically where it's about mid to high teens. So I like that. And I like the business. It's not exciting. You know, revenue growth last quarter, only 2% year over year. Earnings up 6%. Earnings expected to be up 14% this year, 5% next year. Pays a 4% dividend. Good business. Not exciting. Kind of boring. You're not going to, it's unlikely to rip 30 or 40% in any given year, but you're going to collect a nice dividend. Its business is non cyclical for the most part, and it has scale, right? Because it's one of the largest in the world. So I like it. Just don't expect giant returns, but as a core holding longer term, 
good business. Now, we don't seem to get a lot of calls from the state of Rhode Island, but we've got one now. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Brian calling from Rhode Island. Hey, I just wanted to talk real quick about Blink charging stations, B-L-N-K. I've held these guys for about three years, and I've sold about two-thirds of my shares uh, as it's been increasing over the last year or so. So I'm playing with house money, but bottom line, it's creeping up about 6-7% of my overall portfolio. And I wanted to know if you guys think that this stock has more room to run, or if I should still take some more profits. Love to hear your thoughts. I'll be watching on the show. Thanks. Uh, sell. <laughs> no, this is exactly the type of company that will continue to underperform. It's already off 52% from its 52-week high, right? From 64.50 to $30.52. Doesn't make money. $1.2 billion valuation, and its trailing 12-month revenue is what? Yeah, $4 million. Sure, it's going to increase, but they're just increasing shares. They're not profitable. Uh, this is not a company that I would ha want to have a lot of exposure to. Next up on the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour, a call from Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. It's Noel from Hawaii. F V R R, Frank Victor Romeo Romeo. It's had significant movement recently, very good movement. I wondered if it's time to sell, get out of this, or should I hold where I'm at? Thanks, and I'll listen for your answer. Aloha. All right, Fiverr, Fiverr International. It's an Israeli-based company that enables people to buy and sell digital services to, through an e-commerce platform. I, I've used it before. It's actually pretty nice. You can connect with uh, develop, uh, software developers, graphic artists, etc., all over the world. And it, it's, it's pretty incredible. But this is a business that is drastically overvalued. I mean, it's just absurdly overvalued and the type of name that will underperform in an environment of higher interest rates. I don't know how many times I have to say it. I know people get excited about these type of tech names and, and story stocks, but enterprise value to revenue of 45, 45, just absurdly overvalued. My value on this is at $227 a share today. This is a 30 or $40 stock. I think this goes down 90% from its high once this whole tech wreck fully plays out. So absolutely pass. It looks like a fantastic shorting opportunity, actually. Now we're moving at a faster pace, and that's fine. Next up, we're going to go to Redlands, California. Good afternoon, Justin and Steve. This is Michael out of Redlands. I had a question about a value mutual fund. I was curious what your thoughts were about the ticker symbol TRLUX, zero price, large cap value. And I know both uh, Justin and Steve have mentioned that uh, you think value is going to outperform growth. I'm thinking about getting to this mutual fund between now and my retirement from seven years from now. Um, one of your thoughts, and I appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you. All right, he's looking at the T. Rowe Price Large Cap Value Mutual Fund. Expense ratio is 0.7%, which is about average. It's not expensive for an actively managed Mutual fund, it's certainly not cheap either. About 90% exposed to U.S. equities, 7% non-U.S., so about 1% cash. And its top holdings include things like Morgan Stanley, General Electric, Southern Company, right, which is the utility, Qualcomm, United Parcel Services, Wells Fargo. So names that, that you know fairly well. A lot of industrials, a lot of financials. So... I like that overall. I like the, the basic exposure there. So I'm going to give this fund a thumbs up. 
I like it. I don't love it, but I like it as a, a broad mix in a portfolio. It wouldn't be my only holding. Uh, so I'm going to give it a yes. Never let it be said that we ignore our listeners in New Jersey. Hi, this is Brett from New Jersey. I just want to thank you guys for all that you do. I had a question about GSK GlaxoSmithKline. I recently purchased, I'm considering adding more. It's been on a decline, but it's a value play with a high dividend. So I just wanted to get your guys' input on it. Thanks again. I'll look forward to your answer on the show. Bye-bye. All right, looking at GlaxoSmithKline. It's a UK pharma company, $85 billion market cap. And uh, I know they've been involved in, in vaccine development, but it's so large that it's a small pr- percentage of their overall Revenue earnings expected to be down 13% this year, up 10% next year, yield 6%, has a lot of debt on its balance sheet. I think that's one of the biggest issues here is that level of debt that worries me uh, just a bit. Now, our value is closer, is higher. I will say that. It's in the, the low 40s. Now it's in the low 30s. So I do think it does have some, some pretty strong value down here. And I like that it is foreign domiciled, so uh, I, I like that exposure overseas. And I'm going to give it a, a thumbs up. Technically, I don't love it, so I would wait for a bit of strength here in order to get me excited about it. Uh, but fundamentally, it looks very strong, very profitable, good cash flows, solid dividend. And we have listeners all over the Midwest, including Michigan. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Suzanne from Michigan. I have about 4% stake in XP, the iShares Exponential Technologies ETF. I have a widely diversified portfolio, but I'm not really overweight in technology. I wondered what you thought about XP in comparison or in contrast to ARKK, which is ARK Innovation ETF. My plan is a long-term hold, and I love your show and appreciate your insights. Thanks. I would own neither of these. Arc is a disaster. Uh, you've seen that recently. The these names have been down. The ARKK, for example, is down from 160 all the way to 118 in the span of what two and a half weeks. And a lot of those names in the those ETFs are uh, extremely overvalued, and some are very illiquid as well. So they might be trying to sell some shares on some very illiquid names, and so. Uh, I would not be a fan of ARK. Now, if I'm buying one or the other, XT or ARKK, I'm going to buy XT because it's more broadly diversified. It invests in a lot of basic companies like Western Digital is in their top uh, 10 holdings, which is a, a good company. But I wouldn't be owning this either. This is an area that is likely to underperform if interest rates continue to go up. So uh, I'd be looking for the next couple of years. I think we're in this time frame similar to 2000, 2003, where the NASDAQ over those three years fell about 75%. Okay. And there are going to be many names in the cycle that fall 90% or more. Okay. So I, I like that you are looking at broad diversification, but I would wait for a complete washout of the space before I would get interested in an ETF or even individual secure individual securities in the tech space outside of you know ones that just are screaming value. So understand that this is a different environment and you need to be investing so. 
The Invest Stock Rapid Fire Hour rolls on. This time we take a question from Stockton, California. Hello, Stephen Justin. My name is Wesley from Stockton, California. I'm calling because I am curious about oil refiners. You talked about it earlier this week, and you, were, you spoke of Marathon Petroleum and Valero. I was looking at the bigger market cap of Marathon Petroleum and adding a position to my portfolio. I was hoping that you can give me a little insight what you think of these two companies, especially Marathon Petroleum, ticker symbol MPC. If you can give me what your data says on its debt level, its PE range, and what do you think a good price entry would be? Thank you for all that you do. Have a good day. All right, looking at Marathon Petroleum, they are mainly in the refining, marketing, and transportation of petroleum products in the Midwest. And their business over the last year has struggled. They've lost money all four of the last uh, four quarters. And they're expected, though, to rebound next year to earn $2.28, which is a bit shy of their 362 from 2019, actually drastically shy. But the shares have rallied well off their lows. 52-week low of $15 a share. Now we're at 56. 52-week high is 57.69. So we're we're kind of at that 52-week high. They made a full round trip. Okay, so I think they're a little rich at these levels because of the, the drastic rally in these shares. So I think it's a, a bit overvalued right now. I would want to get it back in the mid-40s. Mid-40s, that's where I'd be interested in picking up Marathon Petroleum. Now, I think I could fit in a couple more questions before Steve Peasley takes over duties on this special bonus podcast, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, it's Ralph from Louisiana. I was wondering about SNDL, Sundial Growers. This is kind of a two-part question. What do you think about their quick growth, but then they dropped off. It's been really popular to be talking about it on uh, StockTwit and social media platforms that have been used for stocks. What's your take on how to go about going through these social media platforms or any of the platforms? Thank you. Well, the social media platforms, you know, what's happened, what has happened with GameStop and, uh, and the like, is just a sign of our times, and I don't think it's kind of going anywhere. Uh, but the main thing is don't buy into the hype because, as you see with Sundial, this spiked up in early February from $0.50 cents all the way to almost $4 a share, now settled back down to $1.16 at the close today. And this is might be a time where I want to buy it. Now when everyone's talking about it, right, where that shine is kind of come off, all the weak hands have, have sold now, uh, and refocusing on the business as a whole. And it's really about their producing and marketing of cannabis for the Canadian market. That's where they are, are, are domiciled, it looks like. And so the big question is, do you want to gain exposure to cannabis industry with this name, or is it something more domestically focused? I've said that before. I like the domestic growers, manufacturers, distributors, etc., because I think there's more upside there when we get to final legalization here in the U.S., which is coming. It's it's coming. It's just a matter of when, right? So, try not to get caught up in the social media hype. Unless that's what you're looking for is a quick trade, you want to ride that wave and get out quickly before everyone else does. You know that's a dangerous game, but that's what that's where those type of investments work. If you're trying to be an investor, however, maybe that can 
alert you to things that are moving in the right direction, but wait for them to come back down to earth, their reasonable value, and then pick them up. But this is not a name that I would be excited about long-term just because it's Canadian, it hasn't not making any money, it's issuing a bunch of shares, I would be looking elsewhere. Here comes one more caller question in the first half of the special Invest Talk podcast. Hey, Stephen Justin, this is Brandon from Washington. I'm just starting out in investing, looking to diversify my portfolio. I'm curious if you like bar or SLV better when it comes to precious metals. Uh, again, I'm just starting out into investing, trying to hedge against the inflation that's on the horizon. So I didn't know if you prefer gold or silver. Again, that's B-A-R or S-L-V. Thank you very much. Well, I would say I would own both. Uh, I like silver because it's use in a lot of green technologies like solar panels. So I think that's why you're seeing some relative strength here in the silver versus gold trade. Uh, and historically, as if silver outperforms, inflation is rising. And the precious metal bond market, silver tends to do better. And there is some catching up to do historically from a ratio standpoint of the value of gold versus silver. So if I'm going to pick one or the other, I'm going to pick SLV. But there's no reason you shouldn't own a little bit of both because there will be times where bar or gold does outperform the silver market. But I like that you're looking for this time to gain some exposure to both of them. I'm Justin Klein, and I thank you for listening to the special Invest Talk bonus podcast. It's not over. We're going into a short break, after which Steve Peasley will take over duty here at our answer desk. Stay with us. Steve is up next. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay. Why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant 
with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. You are listening to a special Invest Talk bonus program, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Caller questions are being answered with brief but unbiased and helpful responses from Steve or Justin. This is a special Invest Talk podcast bonus show we call the Rapid Fire Hour. As you can tell, we are moving. Pretty fast, at a fast pace. My objective is to provide solid answers and unbiased guidance and get to as many listener questions as possible. So let's keep going. Hey, Steve. This is Owen in Southern California. I just had a question about Digital Turbine Incorporated, ticker symbol APPS. I bought them back around the $53 mark, and they have were pretty consistent with uh, hitting their supports and then you know going back up. But then over the last couple of days, they've had a very large gap. And so I just was wondering if you could let me know, do you think this is sustainable? Do you think right now at a good high is a good time to sell? Or what do you think we should, uh, what I should look at doing moving forward? So thanks so much. I appreciate your program a lot. I listen all the time. I've learned so much. And uh, hope to, I'll listen out for this on the podcast. Well, it looks like it broke a trend line. It had been gone very, very high. Digital Turbine, APPS, has uh, doesn't make a lot of money. It's going to make $0.94 cents a share next year. It's a $71 stock. So you're looking at over a 72, 73 PE ratio. But sales is very strong. So you don't want to get at it too prematurely, but it's right at 50 days 50-moving-day uh, average support. If it breaks the $70 area, I'd probably sell and take some profits. Next up is another question that came in earlier. My name is Tissy. I'm 11 years old. I have a question about simple B-A-B-Y-F. Do you think this stock is going to be good in the future? Also, do you think it is a good buy right now? Thank you. I will listen to the answer. This is a mutual fund, okay? A BMO growth fund. This mutual fund will do very well over long periods of time, but it's a growth fund, mutual fund. It's not a stock. I would rather see you buy an ETF over a mutual fund, a growth ETF, because they're cheaper. So I would do that. But thank you for listening. It's a great call. Thank you. Our next investor question came from a listener in California. Hi, Steve and Justin. Thank you so much for the show. This is Rose from California. I have two stocks I've been wondering whether or not I should buy. 
The first one is AT&T, ticker symbol T, and the second one is Citigroup, ticker symbol C. Thank you so much. These are two very large blue chip type stocks. AT&T, you buy for the dividend. It pays a 7% dividend. It's not going to have any growth or virtually very little growth, but it's a very low price stock now. It's a $29 per share stock, going to make $3.28. So it's under, you know, it's a 9 PE. While you're sitting waiting for it to maybe go back up to the mid-30s, high 30s, because right now it's at 29, you're going to get 7%. So I like it a lot. And Citigroup is something similar, symbol C. Um, you're going to buy that for the dividend, though. The dividend is only 2.9%. It sells growth. It's shrinking right now. It'll probably turn around and get higher growth when the economy recovers. It's going to make $8.13 next year. It's a $71 stock. So it's, you know under a 10 PE, but the dividend is much lower. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. We're moving as fast as possible. Let's keep going. Hi, I wanted to get your thoughts regarding Tilray, T-L-R-Y. I uh, traded the stock back in 2018 and hold a small position in it now. I just wanted to know what you thought of it for the short to medium term. It's in the pharmaceutical space, cannabis space. It's a Canadian company, and I just want to know your thoughts on it. Thanks very much. Okay, well, we talked about that space quite often, and, you know, it's a growing space, uh, the, the medical marijuana and legalized drugs, but this is this one, Intelray, is mostly focused on developing supplies for the medical medicine area. It's a $4.1 billion company growing 20% last quarter and growing between, you know, the year ago, we're growing well over 100% sales. Uh, earnings, they still haven't made any money. So it's high risk, high, high risk. It's going to lose 17 cents next year. Um, so it's a this is a pullback from $60 all the way down to 24 it could be the good area to pick up. It looks like a support area in that area in this in this twenty one to twenty two dollars. So it's a good place to buy it on a technical basis. Next up, a question from Virginia. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Brandon in Northern Virginia again. Uh, just interested on your thoughts on Nike ticker NKE. Uh, thanks. Nike has always been a perennial growth kind of company. It's huge. Uh, $214 billion, so it's going to be difficult for it to grow. Uh, sales increased 9% last quarter. They average between 4 and 10% in a normal environment. Of course, COVID hasn't been normal, but they're going to make $3.91 next year. It's a $135 stock, $135. Um, don't pay much in dividends, so you're really betting on a, uh, uh, it, it to keep going up, uh, uh, capital appreciation. And you want to buy this when it's cheap. Is 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 Nike cheap right now? Well, you know it's going to increase its sales and earnings next year. $4 uh, per share. It's always been a high P.E. stock. Never traded below 20. Uh, 20 times 4 is $80 share. It's 135 But it's never been below 20 it's been high as 74. So I think this is a, it's a return equity 34. I think this is a pretty uh, pretty reasonable area to pick it up, right around 130 $135. And it's at 135 now. Now I pivot to New York. Hey, guys. Kenny from New York. I'm looking at Iron Mountain, IRM. 
I like the yield. Even if they did cut the dividend at some point, I still think it's a pretty decent yield. Just kind of parking some money in there, kind of like a high-yield savings account. We want to see what you guys thought. Thanks a lot. Bye. Iron Mountain, IRM, uh, headquartered out of Boston. It provides records management, data protection, and information destruction services. It's uh, going to earn $3.32 a share this year, $3.53 a share next year. It's a $36 stock. It's pretty darn cheap, um, I think, and it pays a 6.7% dividend. Sales have been, they're going to be in this single-digit area, so it's not going to be a huge grower. It's a $10.5 billion company. But uh, for the dividend, I think it's a bit underpriced, and the dividend, it's a good purchase. 888-99 charters our number. This is the Rapid Fire Hour. So let's go back to the West Coast to a question from California. Hey there, this is Joe from Lodi, California. I uh, wanted to see what your thoughts were on Roku. I've made 130% gains on it. Want to see if you still see it, you know, gapping up or if it's a good time to sell off or possibly average down. Thanks, guys. Okay, Roku, R-O-K-U is the symbol, headquartered in Los Gatos, California. They don't say Los Gatos. I think they say Legatos or something like that. Develop streaming entertainment services for delivering uh, entertainment to the television set. They're going to make 59 cents. The first time they're going to make money is this year. It's a $361 stock. Okay, that should tell you right there. 59 cents a share earnings does not equal $361 stock. It's all about growth. Well, the growth is 50 to 70% or so. That's not enough. It's way overpriced. I would not buy this stock. If I owned it, I'd probably sell it. We get quite a few calls from North Carolina, believe it or not. So let's grab one from there. Hey, guys. This is Corey from North Carolina. I'm calling about OCGN Option, and they deal with the Covaxin, uh, the coronavirus vaccine in India. I got into them at about $3, and they shot up to 18 recently, but they've kind of settled down about 10 to $11 a share right now. I just want to get your input on what you guys think of this. It's, I mean, I'm thinking it's probably a long hold, or at least to a year. I'm not sure, just based on FDA approval when they come into the U.S. If you would take a look at it, I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay, this is a uh, Pennsylvania company develops and commercializes therapies to address rare and undeserved eye dis- diseases. Uh, underserved eye disease- diseases. So they're going to make a dollar, a dollar eighty-one next year. They lost. Tw- they're going to lose twenty-eight cents a share. In let me rephrase that. They're going to lose twenty-eight cents a share in two thousand twenty. We just haven't got the final numbers in. And two thousand twenty-one, they're going to make a dollar eighty-one. It's an eight-dollar stock right now. So it's way underpriced. Uh, and other than that, I don't have a lot of information on it. It's pretty high risk. Pretty high risk because it's lost money every year except this coming, this year. It's supposed to make money. High risk. Just remember that. Okay, next, a rapid fire hour question from Livermore, California. Uh, yeah, this is Mike from Livermore, and I'm calling on Pet Express, ticker P E T S. I'm thinking of purchasing. Uh, seems like a pretty good company. No debt, and I like your opinion. Uh, what's your thoughts, sir? Thank you guys for all you do. Stay safe, and thank you very much. Okay, P-E-T-S is the symbol. It's called PetMed Express. Offers medication and other health products for dogs and cats. Of course, everybody loves their pet. I include it. Um, I would do anything for my dogs. I don't have any right now, but I would. I would do anything for it. 
And I've spent tons of money on my dogs in the past. So I think this is a good area. They're going to make $1.61 in 2021. In 2024, they're supposed to make $1.84. It's a $34 stock. So that's around a 20 PE. And it's not inexpensive. Sales growth is 10 to you know, maybe 12% per quarter. So it's not a huge grower. It pays a 3.2% dividend. It's only a $700 million stock. So it's a pretty high risk at this price. I think it's. I think if I was going to buy this, I'd have to buy it at a much lower price, maybe in the 20, 20s, uh, low 20s, would be more I'd want to buy it. So it's just expensive at this point. Okay, let's keep going. Yes, it's a faster pace. This is Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Hello, I'm curious about ticker symbol K-I-R-K. That's Kirkland. What your opinion is on that company? Good time to buy, or has it already, do you think it's reached a high point? Thank you. Okay, Kirkland's Inc. operates 432 off-mall home decor stores in 37 states. This year, 2020, it's probably going to be a turnaround year for them. They're going to make uh, a 91 cents after losing a dollar 43 last year. It's a 24 dollar stock. Next year, 2022, they're scheduled to make a dollar 67 a share, and sales growth should pick up. It's only in the single digits and per quarter right now. In the last two quarters, after falling 40 percent in, of course, the April quarter, COVID. So a dollar 67. It's a 24 dollar stock. It's not overpriced. Um, it's not underpriced. I think it's fairly priced, and I think the run is probably done. I would not buy it. I, if I own it, I'd probably take some profits right now. Next, we'll go to Columbus, Ohio in 30 seconds. You are listening to a special Invest Talk bonus program, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. Typically, in a 24-hour period, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein receive more new voice bank questions then they can fit into a live show format. So in this bonus program, caller questions are being answered with brief but unbiased and helpful responses from Steve or Justin. Let's keep moving. Hey guys, this is Peter from Columbus. Thanks for the show. Wanted to get your take on Microsoft. Obviously, everybody knows Microsoft's here to stay, especially with tech continuing to advance and work from home and so forth. I'm sure you're going to say that they're too expensive to enter right now, which I would probably agree. I don't know the full details like you do, but what do you think would be a good price to get into Microsoft for a longer-term hold? I uh, just want to get your thoughts. Thanks. It's pretty expensive. A lot of tech, big tech, especially expensive. Microsoft, they're going to make $7.40 this year and $8.11 a share next year. They're growing 12 to 15% sales per quarter, which is very good for a company uh, 1.7 size. Okay. That's huge. That's a very good growth number. But, you know, $8.11 and it's two hundred thirty-three dollars stock, so it's expensive. So a good place to get in maybe would be in around the two 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 hundred to two ten area. Remember it's two thirty-three. That's a lot of support there. If it goes down there, that would be a good place to pick it up. Now a question from Maryland. Hey Justin. Hey Steve. This is Joe calling from Maryland. I was wondering if I could get your opinion on ticker JPM. They had a recent run-up and fully recovered from the drops due to COVID. I uh, was looking to get some value stock. I was wondering, is it still possible to enter now, or would you wait for a pullback? 
appreciate your input. I'll look forward to hearing an answer. Thank you. JPM, JP Morgan Chase, big global financial company. Uh, it still is not very expensive, but it probably doesn't deserve to be expensive. Big financial company that has limited growth potential. It's a $462 billion company. They're going to make $10.53 this year after making only $8.15 last year. They'll make $11.44. So that's 29% growth this year, 9% growth next year. And that 9% growth in sale and earnings is probably more realistic. So it's probably fully priced at $151 a share. So I would wait for a pullback. And I think, you know, a good solid pullback would be about, oh, 130, 138 to 140 per share, $138, $140 per share. That's where I'd want to see it. Next, a rapid-fire hour question from Walnut Creek, California. It's in the Bay Area. Hey, Justin. It's Steve Kyle from Walnut Creek calling, long-time listener and caller. I have a question just about kind of a hedge or protection investments. It's an inverse ETF, SDS, I believe. It's the inverse of the S&P 500. Is this something that's a good alternative as a hedge? Is inverse ETFs a smart play? Should I just short the spider if I want to get that type of exposure? Just curious of how you guys feel on that as a type of hedge, SDS. Thank you very much. Okay, this is a SDS. It's ProShares Ultra Short S&P 500, meaning it is 200% inverse to the S&P 500, 200%. In other words, it'll go up twice as fast as the S&P goes down. So it's a hedge. So if the S&P turns down, this will go up twice as fast. You use that as a trading vehicle, not necessarily an investment vehicle, just a trading vehicle. And yes, this is a good hedge. This is a good way to hedge the S&P 500. I would use it as such. But remember, it's leveraged, and it shouldn't be held for long periods of time because it is leveraged. Okay, we're setting a faster pace, answering more questions. Hey, this is Adam from Atlanta. Appreciate all you guys do. I had a question about the company Johnson Controls, JCI. Tried to do some research on it, really kind of uneducated with the balance sheet on how much debt they have. Is it... A company worth looking into. Just want to know some pros and cons about it before I invest. Really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, Johnson Controls, which is not a well-known company, is a very good company. It's a 42 billion size. It's a big company. Manufactures electronic security system valves, pops, pipes, fire protection products, life safety products. So most people don't know it, but it's very big in its industries. So it's a really solid company. They're going to make two dollars and fifty-five cents this year. See, they didn't even lose any earnings, potential, you know, growth from COVID. They did not. They bowled right through it. Two fifty-five for two thousand twenty-one. They made two twenty-four two thousand twenty, and they're going to make two dollars and ninety-two cents next year. Fourteen fifty percent sales growth, earnings growth per year. Sales growth did slow during the COVID period because you completely shut down. The country, but its earnings stay maintained. It maintained its earnings momentum. Uh, it's a fifty-nine dollars stock. Going to make two dollars and something cents. Two dollars and two cents next year. So you're looking at a thirty-ish PE, which is at the high end of its range. It's already had a run. You don't chase it. You got to wait for a pretty major buyback. You buy this stock when it's on sale, not now. 
It's too expensive. Next, we're going to, we have a question coming from uh, Las Vegas. So let's go to Las Vegas. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Gene calling from Las Vegas, Nevada. Calling about ticker symbol S-O-L. S is in Sam. O is in Oscar. L is in Larry. I've had this thing since about late 2019. Wrote it all the way up from about $3. A couple weeks ago, it spiked up about to 35 and now it's back down to around $17, $18. They raised about $250 million ADSs, but everything that I'm reading is they're reinvesting all of that money back into future projects in the pipeline. I'm pretty bullish on this company. I'm just wondering if I'm missing anything. Uh, I'd appreciate it if you guys could take a look for me. Thank you for everything you guys do. I'll listen for the answer on the podcast. Thanks again. Well, I had a very good day today, up $3.63. That's a 36% jump just in one day. Anyways, this is Renzola Limited ADS. In other words, it's a foreign company. It's out of China. A Chinese manufacturer of monocrystalline and multicrystalline wafers for solar-powered products. It made money the last few years. This year, it's going to make, in 2020, it made three cents. This year, 2021, it's going to make 26 cents a share. It's a $13.63 stock. Uh, the sales growth this most recent quarter was down 85%. The quarter before that was up 93%. So there's where you have, you're having a very volatile stock, and it's already made a very good run. It's now pulling down, back down from the run, popped up today. Uh, this might be a good area to pick it up, but it's a very high-risk stock, very high-risk. Chinese solar power sector kind of company that has volatile sales and volatile earnings. Our earnings are finally coming in, but you're going to have to roll the dice. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for downloading this Investop Podcast bonus show. In this hour, we are focusing solely on caller questions, which we are retrieving from our voice bank. Our anytime listener line never closes, as you know. So when you have a finance or investing question, please call 888-99-CHART. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I was just wondering what you thought a good entry point for Peloton was. I've been waiting for a pullback for some time now, and it's down by quite a bit today. I think because they're expanding their market by a lot. Just wonder what a good entry point was because I'm thinking of buying. Thanks. Well, it finally is recovering. Today has a big recovery day, uh, up about, uh, what, 15%, 14.5% today. So it finally has some recovery. This is Peloton, everybody. P-T-O-N provides recreational facilities and services and fitness platforms to over 3.1 million members. And of course, they had huge sales in the COVID year 2020. Therefore, you know, that it's kind of hard to base everything on that because of the 100% plus growth. Now, their growth was already pretty good in the high double digits, percentage-wise, sales growth. Earnings were going to go, uh, 2021, they're going to make 31 cents. Before that, they lost money every year. Next year, they're going to go from 31 cents a share to 74 cents a share. So they turned it around because of the sales growth. And, you know, is it worth $116? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I would probably not be a buyer of this stock at this price, and I would have to be. And it had to be a much less price. It had to be in the thirty, forty dollar range for me, not one hundred sixteen for me to even consider buying it. So let's keep moving. Here comes another question. Hi, Steve 
Justin. Just wanted to get your take on Prudential Financial PRU. Was looking at it for a long-term hold. Thank you. Yeah, this would be a long-term hold type stock. This is Prudential Financial. It's a $36 billion company. They're going to make $12.78 next year. They're going to make $11.54 this year. That's you know a nice 13, 14% growth in earnings. Sales, you know, from zero to three percent some quarters, loss of five or six percent other quarters. So it's kind of stagnant on its growth, and that's why it's so inexpensive at ninety-one dollars a share. Yeah, realize you rely on the dividend of five percent. So it has run up, um, and it's going to hit resistance right about now. Um, because that's where it was trading for a long, all of 2019, right in here, this area, $90, $100 a share. Uh, it would be nice to be able to pick it up at around $70, $80 a share, but it's still a solid, good company paying 5% dividend and not overpriced. But it's probably fairly priced. Okay, Prudential, P-R-U. Okay, here comes our last question. This time is from New York. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Josh calling from New York. I just had a quick question about PDAC, Peridot Acquisition. Um, I know they are having a pending merger with LeCycle for a lithium-ion battery recycling. And I uh, wondered what you thought about that potential play or that potential area of battery recycling, knowing that that will be pretty important after the EV play. Thank you. Bye. Well, there's very little information on it. PDAC Acquisition, it's a blank check company, meaning a company that's formed to buy a business, doesn't have a business, and they formed this company to merge with one or more target businesses, and we don't have much information on that. So are they, I, I would be very reluctant to buy a blank check company, symbol than this was PDAC, Paradox Acquisition, because there has no business. Now, this stock has only came out in December 2020. So it's not long enough. It's not been around long enough for it to even consider it. Really, I would not. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for listening to the Special Invest Talk Bonus Podcast. Please tell your friends about our program and our website, investtalk.com. Remember our philosophy at KPP Financial, independent thinking, shared success. You can learn more about our unbiased guidance and the variety of our InvestTalk programs at investtalk.com. That's our two T's, investtalk.com. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 